morning, everyone. Um, always a joy to be here with you. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you, Steve and Laurie, for um, asking me to uh, come and be with you. I do love coming to Bexhill. It's, it's always a joy to be here. Uh, so thank you for, uh, for having me. It's good. It's good to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. A few days back, my boys are having breakfast in the kitchen, so I step in there to just keep an eye. Our eldest son says to me, Daddy, are we rich? He catches me off guard. I'm thinking, I'm not so sure about that, considering even fuel prices and things today. But I said to him, well, Scripture says that God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. So on the one hand, we are very rich. And then I also said to him, you've got breakfast this morning. We are rich. And I said to him, you've got clothes on your back. We are rich. I said to him, God has provided for mommy and daddy so they can provide for you. We are rich. Maybe in the eyes of some people, we may not necessarily be there. But actually, before God, he's giving us everything we need for life and for godliness. I just thought I'd bring that reminder. It spoke to me immensely that morning that actually... Yeah, we may not have everything we want, but God has given us everything in his son. He's giving us the best we can ever have in his son. And now more than ever, I just feel a real sense that God would want us to hearken into his voice, to hear the voice of Jesus as God speaks to us. This morning, I'm going to be sharing with us briefly about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is basically the good news about the fact that God sent his son into our world. He died in your place and in my place. He suffered and he died on the cross. He was buried, but on the third day, he rose victorious from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And you know something? That victory was not just a victory for him. It was also victory for anyone and everyone and wherever they are who would put their faith in him. So there's victory for all who will put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made a way for every one of us to come to know him. A few weeks back, me and my stories, we took our youngest son to Lansing, apparently Brighton and Hove thinks he's got something. So they invited him to come and play in a football game for them. So we're quite excited. We went together as a family. Now, I got distracted by another football match happening on the side. It was quite interesting because both teams were blind. So it was blind people playing football. Can you imagine that? Anybody seen blind people play football? Ah, I had never seen. So immediately, I left I left my son. I mean, I do love my son. I don't know. I, I, I love the spectacle I want to go see. So I walked closer, and it was interesting, quite fascinating. The interesting thing was that these people could not see, but they were still moving the ball about. And I'm thinking, how do you do that? Do you know how they did it? They both had managers on the side. And these managers were saying to them, Sam, to the left. And then he, to the right. Now shoot, shoot, shoot. So these managers were effectively helping these guys do football. 
they had to hearken to the voice of their respective managers. They had to listen and they had to do as these managers were saying to them. They actually scored some goals. Brilliant. The key thing was them listening to their managers and then doing what their managers wanted to do. They got some amazing goals. I was quite surprised. And I really feel this morning that Jesus would want to say to us, hearken to my voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. We don't just want to know the voice of Jesus, but we also want to hearken. We want to listen to the voice of Jesus. I am in no way saying I am Jesus. I am not Jesus. I'm going to be reading from the scripture. So if you've got your Bibles, please stand with me to John chapter 3. I'll just share with us briefly and then we can spend some time responding. John chapter 3. To give us a bit of a background. So Jesus, we all know the story, is speaking to this man called Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus will probably be a present day Maybe politician, priest, and professor all in one person. So very, very, very intelligent. He was a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee. But he came to seek Jesus by night. And Jesus engages with him in a conversation. Jesus helps him see the fact that if he wanted to experience the kingdom of God, he had to effectively be born again. He has no understanding about that. Jesus helps him see you've got to be born of water and the spirit. He breaks it down and all that. And then in verses 14 and 15, as Jesus is engaging with Nicodemus, Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, and as Moses was lifted up. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So out of the blue, Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that... Anyone who believes in him may have eternal life. It's interesting in the New Testament when the expression lifted up is used, the original Greek means to exalt, all right? So when you see the expression lifted up, a lot of times in the New Testament, it means to exalt, like to exalt the Lord. But here, when Jesus uses the expression lifted up, in this context, Jesus was referring to his crucifixion. And so, in speaking to Nicodemus, he says, look, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Jesus was speaking of crucifixion. It's interesting that he's speaking to a teacher of the law. So, Nicodemus would have understood what Jesus meant. Jesus also uses the expression, Son of Man, which is a messianic expression in the Old Testament referring to Jesus. So, these two things would have meant something for Nicodemus. He knew, he knew, that he knew the Old Testament well. So it would, have, it would have clicked in his mind. Jesus is referring to something from the book of Numbers. So if you've got your Bibles, let's just go to Numbers 21 because we find this account there. What was Jesus talking about? What was Jesus referring to? Numbers chapter 21 will help us out. Numbers chapter 21 from verses 4 to nine. I think it is. 
Numbers 21. Yes, it is from verses 4 to 9. This is what it says. This is what Jesus was referring to. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. So this is the Israelites being led into the promised land. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And we loathe this worthless food. Yuck. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. So that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Verse 9. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. And if anyone was bitten by the serpents, they'd look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the account Jesus was referring to. It's very clear from the passage that the people of Israel had been suffering as a result of their own failings. And this effectively led to their death. They had grumbled. They had spoken against God. This is the same God who had walked with them and provided for them. He provided water for them. He provided food for them. These same people turn around and they go, we don't have any food. We don't have any water. We discover that the people were not effectively trusting of God. And because of this, they were attacked by poisonous snakes, we are told, as a result of their disobedience. We also discover that once this happened, the people began to die. The, the fact that they had effectively disobeyed God led to, you know, some kind of action. It was, it was effectively judgment on the people of God. The story tells us that they turned to Moses for help, and then Moses consulted God. God instructed Moses to make an image of a bronze serpent and then mount it on a pole, a picture of Jesus ultimately coming in the future and then dying on the cross. Anyone who looked at a snake on the pole was cured from the bite and the lift. We find that in the same way as these people suffered from these bites of the snakes, we live in a world that knows a lot of suffering. We know that many of us here would know people who are broken. In fact, before many of us met the Lord Jesus Christ, we were all, we were all broken in one way 
or the other. And we also know that in the same way, people suffer as a result of sin. Sin is destructive. Sin destroys. Sin brings separation between people and God because God is a holy God and he cannot condone sin. He cannot live in sin. Sin effectively is disobedience against God when we turn our backs on God. God cannot condone sin. And because God is a just God, he has to punish sin. It's very, very, very clear. People suffer as a result of sin. Romans 5 verse 12 says to us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So if we're sitting here thinking, but I'm not like that. I haven't done anything terrible. The Bible says all have sinned. We all inherit sin because one man got it wrong from the very beginning. And so everyone inherits says, all have sinned. You look across humanity, it says all have sinned. No, but we live in England. All have sinned. No, we live in faraway Ghana. All have No, we're, we're from America. All have sinned. Alaska, all have sinned. To the ends of the earth, all have sinned. That is the state of humanity. Because of the sin, the end result is death. When people, when they were bitten by the snakes, what happened? They died. The end result of sin is death. Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death. Not just physical death, spiritual death, which is basically separation from God. And so people without God are two times dead. They are not only separated from God spiritually, but physically when people die without God, it's, you know, it makes it double. It says that, the end result is death. But it's exciting because in that same verse, it goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just want to pause here for a minute. But the free gift, I, I love gifts. Gifts are nice things, aren't they? I mean, Christmas, birthday, and all that. Gifts are nice things. I do. I like gifts. When my wife surprises me with a gift, I, I like gifts. I like to, one of my favorite things to do is to unwrap them, to open gifts. I do. I get curious. I like gifts are nice things. And when, when somebody gives you a gift, you can either receive it or reject it. The Bible says the free gift of God. I want to just read it to us again. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So even though it was very hopeless, sin led to death or separation from God. The Bible says, but God made a way. God has made a way. God has made a way for men to be reconciled back to him again. Sin separates us. Now, this is sin. This is me. 
sin separates me from God. But when Jesus comes in the picture, God has made a way. How did God make a way? God sent his perfect son who was without sin. This perfect son would go up on that cross. It was a beautiful picture of Jesus. God says to Moses, make a bronze serpent. Hoist it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten by a serpent, let them look at this bronze serpent. Beautiful picture of Jesus. Jesus suffered and he died on a cross. A death he did not deserve for you and for me. His body broken, his blood poured out for us on that cross. He died. He was buried with all of our sins. Yes, the sins of Ghanaians, yes, we have lots of them. The sins of Brits, yes, they have lots of them. The sins of Americans, yes. Sins of all humanity on Jesus. Your sin as well, yes. My sin as well, even me, yes. I've done quite a lot of them. Yes, even my sins as well. On his body, broken, he died. He was buried on the third day. Rose victorious. Rose victorious. And in, in rising from the dead, Jesus has made the way. The best news ever. Jesus has made a way for just Ghanaians, no. For just Brits, no. For just Ukrainians, no. For all humanity. For just people in Bexhill, in as much as I love people in Bexhill, it's not just for you. It's for all humanity. And so everybody can come. Everyone can come because Jesus has made a way. He said to Moses, just let them look at the serpent. I like the fact that the people didn't have to do any work. What did they have to do? That's all they had to do. He says, say to them, look. If anybody gets bitten, let them look at the serpent. And anyone who looked at the serpent lived. It tells us something. Salvation is not down to you or myself. comprehensive, all done and worked out by God our Father in his son Jesus Christ. All we need to do is to look. And you know the exciting thing about looking is that everybody can look. Men can look. Women can look. People who are five years can look. People in their 20s can look. I think I'll stop there. Older folk can look. Every single person can look to Jesus. Looking is not particularly difficult. All who look were saved. So our only hope is trusting in somebody who is beyond ourselves. 
and we see that in the picture. And it's interesting. I'm not so sure about this bit. I would have to. I did do some research, but I didn't really, I didn't arrive at this conclusion. But I do wonder, hear me on this. Obviously, please weigh it. Basically, the point I'm trying to make is, this is something I felt God impress upon me. So it, it's not, so it's not, I didn't read it in a commentary or anything. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to set it out there. Steve, feel free to stop me in my tracks. But this is what I was thinking about the whole bronze serpent thing. So these people were being bitten by serpents. And um, God says to Moses, make a bronze serpent. Now, a bronze serpent has the likeness of a real life serpent, isn't it? I do wonder whether there's a thing in there about how Jesus was going to be like us. That was just my thinking. There was a likeness. God didn't say to Moses, make an apple. God didn't say to Moses, oh, make a bronze cow. God didn't say to Moses, oh, make a bronze, you know, policeman or something. He said, make, make a bronze step. And I do wonder whether there's a picture there of the fact that this Messiah who was going to come in the future will be in the same likeness as man. And when Jesus walked the earth, he was fully God, but also fully man. That's what I wanted to say, Steve. So um, that's, that's, what, that's what I thought in my thinking. I just thought there's a, there's a, there's a resemblance as in bronze serpent, real life serpent. And I do wonder whether there's a, a connection there of the fact that the Messiah or the Savior would have the same, you know, resemblance or would come in the same form as man. Our hope is trusting in someone or something beyond ourselves, and that is Jesus. We also find in the story that repentance is key. We would come to looking to Jesus shortly, but repentance is key. And repentance simply means to change your mind. And so the people say to Moses, we're really sorry about this. We, we repent of this. I think that as soon as God makes us aware that we are in a wrong place, the right attitude is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for all the wrong. I'm sorry. I remember as a 17-year-old boy, final year secondary school, stepping out and asking Jesus to come into my heart. I remember saying, I'm, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please come into my heart. I had to look to Jesus, who alone can save us from sin, which leads to death. And Jesus stepped in, and the picture changes. The picture changes. Did he take away all of life's troubles, in reality, no. We live in a falling world. Don't ever think that you're coming to Jesus and suddenly all your problems disappear. Sometimes they actually multiply. Now, I think sometimes people just preach half a gospel. I wouldn't stand here and say to you, come to Jesus and all of your problems will disappear. No, that is not the gospel. Jesus calls us to actually lay our lives down. He says, come, take up your cross and follow me. When Jesus uses the expression cross, basically he says, come and die. Jesus calls us to die. That is the reality. But I have a peace that nobody else can give. Man, I... I am so secure 
in the Father's love, nobody else can give that security. I am so aware of sins forgiving. I am so aware of a positional change. I am no longer what I used to be. I am so aware of the old is gone and the new has come. Nobody could give me that but Jesus. When the storms of life come, like Laurie was reading to us, I run to him and I find strength. The world cannot give that security, I can assure you. The world cannot give that security. Knowing that every sin has been dealt with by a loving father. I wake up and I break into a smile. Nobody has deposited money into my bank account. I am rejoicing in who I am in Jesus. He gives peace. He gives you a clean slate. He calls you to do life with him. What a privilege. In the midst of the storms, he gives you the grace to fight each day. Because he is God. Because his power is greater than the storm. Jesus is amazing. All who look to him are saved. How do we do the looking? We said everybody can look. As I finish off. I need to refer to my notes now. I think it starts off with, with repentance. Like I said, repentance simply means a change of mind. Lord, I acknowledge that I was here. I know you love me. I know I've done it wrong. I want to move here with you. He gives the grace for that. It starts with repentance, that acknowledgement that Actually, I have thought wrong. I have acted wrong. I've done some terrible things. That didn't bring you glory because I was created for the glory of God. We were made to bring God glory. I haven't lived like that. So I do acknowledge that. And I change my mind. I turn away from these things and I want to follow you. It starts with repentance. And then I think there's faith as well. Faith in who or in what? Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Faith in the fact that, yes, Jesus died for me. Yes, Jesus was buried. Yes, Jesus on the third day rose victorious. Faith, not just head knowledge. Complete trust in the finished work of Jesus. Repentance, faith, and then obedience. I step out and I actually ask him to come into my heart and effectively make himself resident in my heart and in my life. And I also choose to walk in the newness of life that he gives. I'll give you a good example. 
So we used to live in Ghana. It's very, very hot. It's, it's very it's boiling hot in Ghana. I always went about shirtless, not out of the house. When I was, whenever I was at home, I never had a shirt on. I was always shorts, flip-flops, because it was too hot. Now, having moved here, suddenly it's winter. It would be very foolish for me to step out of our flat in shorts and flip-flops. You're all laughing. I think if you saw me down the street, you're probably going to, Sam, is everything okay? I live in a new country now. I've got to learn to effectively embrace life there. So every now and then I enjoy a bit of Ghanaian cuisine, but I'm learning to enjoy British cuisine as well. But I think a good example is the weather. I can't, you know, bring the Ghanaian-ness when it comes to the weather here. In the same vein, winter when I go around in my big coat here, if I went back to Ghana, that would be terrible for me to go walking about 34, 35 degrees in a winter coat with fair mouths and um, gloves, and you know, it would, be, it, would be, it would be pretty tough. So God calls us to a new way of life, a heavenly lifestyle. And that calls for obedience as well. So repentance, faith, obedience. As I finish off, my first response is this. Maybe we could all just close our eyes as I, I, just, I just round up. I do wonder whether the band could also please just come up and then just please just play quietly in the background for us. We're going to do some looking at this time. And remember, everybody can look. Every person can look. Let's all just close our eyes. Just play something quietly in the background for me. I'll just close our eyes. We heard earlier about how we can come to our father and he nurses our wounds and he, he doesn't throw us away. about how the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Well, I just want to say Jesus is here. And he would like to rescue and to save today. If you're here this afternoon and you've, you've been listening to me and you've never really thought through some of the things I've been saying. Maybe you've been in church meetings like today. You probably even grew up in a, in a Christian home. Or you've had people share bits and pieces of the good news with you. But you've never really made a commitment Well, I just want to encourage you, today is the day. 
you were examining your heart, I just want to say to you, Jesus loves you. And he wants to give you life. Life eternal, a living relationship with your heavenly Father. If you're here today, you'd like to ask Jesus into your heart. Just going to give it a couple of minutes. It's no pressure. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. All I can say is that he loves you. You only need to look at him today and say, I want you in my heart. If you're here, you'd like to do that. Just with all eyes closed, just put your hand up. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Don't worry about the Facing behind you, in front of you, you like Jesus to coming. Just put your hand up, and I'm just going to pray with you. We'll give it a couple of minutes. You want to ask the Giver of life into your heart today. You don't have to be shy. here for you. He comes to help. He comes to seek and to rescue and to deliver. He comes to make whole. He comes to call you back to the Father. And he wants to save today. here and he wants you to come in. Just going to pray a prayer if you'd like to ask him in. Just pray this to him. You don't have to pray to me to the person next to you pray to him and I really would love to catch up at the end I want to say Lord Jesus I thank you that you love me thank you that you died on the cross for me Jesus I know I haven't lived like you would want me to. I do repent of that. I turn away from that and welcome you into my heart. Please come and be Lord and Savior life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart. If you pray that prayer for the first time today, I can say to you, based on God's word, that actually when you do that, Jesus opens the door 
you can come in. So praise God for you. Secondly, second response, if you're here today and you, maybe because of life's frustrations or difficulties, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Maybe because of challenges on a day-to-day basis, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. I want to say to you, Jesus says, fix your eyes on him again. Not on the trouble, not on the storm. Fix your eyes on Jesus again. And so our second response today, for anyone who feels they are in a place where they've taken their eyes off Jesus, well, he's calling you back. He's calling you back. Fix your eyes on him again. Remind yourself of some of the amazing promises from his word. Fix your eyes on Jesus again. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help doesn't come from the hills. My help, our help comes from God. And he would say, fix your eyes on me again. He will be the stability of our times. Isaiah says to us, God alone is the stability of our times. So fix your eyes on him again. So Jesus, I ask that you would help us fix our eyes on you each day. You are our strength. You are our hope. You are the life giver. You are the promise keeper. You are the miracle worker. You are the son of God. You are the mighty man in battle. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you again. Today, we choose to look again at you, Jesus. Thank you. That someday when you come again, we're just going to see a face. We're going to see your face, Jesus. And we want to start looking today. We don't want to wait till then. We want to start looking today. And so show us your glory once more, Jesus. Show me your glory. Show us your glory. Help us look away from the storms. Help us look to you. Help your church look to you. Help King's Church Bexhill look to you. Help every man, every woman, every child sitting here today look to you. Church, let's continue to look to Jesus. God bless you richly. Amen.